0: You remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. It's actually the first part of a two part series uh, that I'm uh, entitling Kingdom Etiquette How We Are Supposed to Behave uh, in the Kingdom. Etiquette is a big deal. And so um, Jesus uh, shows us this morning, and we'll look at it next week as well, about how we are to behave in the kingdom in very practical ways. So let's read this morning, Luke 14, verses 1 through 14. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him, and he healed him, and he sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. so that when your host comes, he may say to you, "Friend, move up higher. then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Excuse me. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." He also said to the man who had invited him, "When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors." lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And As you do, let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. So this morning as we look at Luke chapter 14 and as we continue next week uh, with uh, the, the preceding verses, the following verses. Uh, We're going to look at kingdom etiquette, what Jesus calls us to to do, how to behave, how uh, we are supposed to act in the kingdom, because the kingdom uh, has been described as a feast, that when we enter into the kingdom, we will join in the wedding feast of the land. So when we are in that feast, how are we supposed to act? Growing up in Chicago, uh, my aunts and uncles on both sides uh, were very close. Uh, They were not far away, maybe 20 minutes, maybe at the most a half an hour, um, all living kind of on the south and southwest side of Chicago. And so I grew up with my cousins and every Easter, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, uh, even for birthdays, we would gather together as large groups and we would just celebrate with each other and it was great. Uh, I have great memories uh, of my cousins, most of them being older on each side. I'm either like the third youngest uh, or close to that. And so there was older cousins that I would idolize, love playing basketball with, see if I could challenge them. And um, it was great. Um, But whenever we had those celebrations, uh, without fail, since I was close to the youngest, I would always be stuck at that dreaded kiddie table. Awful, always at the kiddie table. That was where I was stuck. Um, with the ones who were who were younger than I, and I always wanted to be up with the the adults, with the uh, the older the the older teenagers up there at the adult table. Uh, and it would be such an honor to be moved up, you know, to that table, uh, to be able to be a part of that conversation, to have that that thrill, um, and. Um, Jesus, uh, I don't think in, in Jewish culture they necessarily had a, a kiddie table, per se. But this is, this is similar to what he's talking about this morning. About, based on the way that you are seated at the party, tells, um, tells about who you are uh, in terms of your relationship to the host. And he's going to tell us this morning how we are to act in those situations. Um, Jesus gives very practical examples to us this morning. Because there is nothing, nothing that is not affected by our union with Christ. Not even how we act at parties or how we host parties. Everything is affected by our union with Christ. So let's set the stage this morning as we're looking at this passage. It's the Sabbath. Um, and they are having a typical Sabbath dinner party. This is something that that would typically happen, similar to what we experience once a month when we have our fellowship lunch. This is similar to what was going on. So Jesus is invited to the house of a, a ruling Pharisee there, but it's a trap. There's ulterior motives happening here. They invite Jesus, and they are watching him very closely. Because not only did they invite Jesus, but they invited a man who had dropsy. And uh, I'm not very familiar with this disease, but it causes a lot of swelling. So when you have dropsy, uh, you you have this swelling that is going on. and So it's obvious that you have this disease, and apparently it's very painful as well. So they invited this man as well, not because he's a friend of theirs, not because they want to uh, feel sorry for him, but they invite him so that they can incite Jesus into controversy. So Jesus knows what is going on here. He does not fall into their trap. He never does. Um, And he definitely maneuvers around their trap by asking them questions that they simply can't answer. The first question is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They know that they're stuck. If they say no, they become insensitive and they become cruel. And as Jesus points out later, You know, which of you having a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath won't pull him immediately out? So they can't say no to this question. But if they say yes, they're contradicting themselves in their own laws. So they're stuck and they remain silent. They're watching to see what Jesus is going to do. And so Jesus heals the man and he sends him on his way. Uh, Jesus has compassion on him. Because he knows why the man is there, not to enjoy the dinner party. He's there to be a spectacle. And so Jesus, in his compassion, heals him, and he sends him on his way. And as this man leaves, everyone is speechless. They cannot reply to these things. Just the, uh, just the wisdom that Jesus has in being able to navigate these traps so he goes on, as he is at this dinner party, he's making observations. He is noticing what is going on. And because he sees how people are seating themselves, he gives a parable. And he tells them, in very plain terms, how you should behave when you are invited to a dinner party. And he says that you should approach the table in humility, looking for the lowest seat. But he doesn't stop there. He turns to the host, and he tells the host how you should host a dinner party. He tells them that you shouldn't invite people who will repay you and invite people back. You know, if this was anybody but Jesus, this would be kind of an audacious thing. You'd be telling people how you were supposed to act at a party, or telling your host that how you're hosting this party is wrong, and you should do it differently. But if it was anybody other than Jesus, it would be quite an audacious thing. Next week, as we look at the following verses, Jesus is going to continue to speak of the kingdom in revealing the circumstances surrounding this great banquet in the kingdom of God. This is all relates to this kingdom etiquette that we're looking at. So why does Jesus take this time and this effort to speak of such seemingly I don't know, seemingly mundane things as a dinner party, and uh, hosting people into your home. The truth is, and the reality is, is that our union with Christ so affects our lives that it affects everything, everything, including how we act as guests in someone's home or how we host a party. Jesus gives us very practical application of uh, of a deep spiritual truth in our passage this morning. You know, several weeks ago, we were charged by Christ to examine ourselves to see whether or not we were in the faith. One of the ways that we can do that is this How do we behave when we are at a party? Do we seek the recognition of people who are there, or do we humble ourselves and take a low position? How do we act even as a host? Because the truth is, is that when we have an encounter with Christ, as we also talked about a couple of weeks ago, it changes everything. We can't have an encounter with Christ, put our faith and trust in Him, and not be changed by it. But you also can't separate parts of your life out where you are unwilling to surrender uh, to the Lordship of Christ. You can't say, Christ can have my family life, He can have my time at church, but I'm going to keep my personal life and I'm going to keep my work life to myself. Every part of us is affected by faith in Christ, and it brings about the desire to turn every part of our life over to Him. Uh, this past week, I had a, a very intimidating experience. Uh, I admitted to the people that I was with, and uh, I had the, the honor and the privilege to, to speak to the ladies' Bible study. And I told them, you know what, this is actually very intimidating for me, just to, to, to be able to join them in their Bible study. And, um, and it was great. Uh, we, we had great discussion uh, with one another. Um, but one of the, the passages that, that uh, I was speaking from was Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, where, where Paul encourages us to have the same mind as that of Christ, and when we are united to Christ, our minds are changed. When we are united to Christ, not only are our minds change, but our speech changes. Because our hearts are changed. And we know that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. Our actions are changed. Every aspect of life is affected. Now, obviously, we don't do this perfectly. We don't do this perfectly. But every aspect of our lives should be changed. It's difficult to surrender all of our life over to Christ. Uh, one of the reasons that it is hard is because we don't always believe the truth of the gospel. Back when uh, we were preaching through the book of Galatians, we defined the gospel this way. It's the message that we are more wicked than we ever dared to believe, but more loved And accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope. And when we truly believe this, it affects everything in our lives. When we truly believe that in Christ we are loved and accepted by God, our lives are just revolutionized. It is changed. We are changed forever. And it includes how we act when we're at parties. Jesus tells us. his, the guests here, how they should act. Because Jesus saw that people were clamoring for the best spot. They wanted to be at the head table. They didn't get, want to get stuck at the kiddie table where, uh, where the, the conversation uh, wasn't as important as being close to the host and uh, to the people of prominence. And you know we do the same things. It's not always as obvious as what Jesus was observing there But we try to position ourselves so that we're maybe at the right place at the right time. Or we have relationships with people that are to our advantage. We get close to others so that that we can be in a better position, Uh, run with the right people, run in the right crowds. So imagine the situation that, that Jesus explains here. You get to a party early, you have your pick of the spots, and you put yourself close to the front. And you think, this is great. I'm in a great position here. Uh, people are going to see me. You're excited. Uh, but as the table fills up, uh, someone who is, quote, unquote, more deserving shows up. And he is left to sit down at the kitty table. Suddenly you feel a hand on your shoulder and you turn around and you see your host and your heart sinks. Like, oh no. And suddenly you, you find yourself in this position of extreme shame where you, you thought that everyone was going to be looking at you and, and talking good about you, but now, in your shame, you're asked to move to the kitty table. And now people aren't looking up at you, now people are looking down at you. You hear the chuckles, your face is red with embarrassment, and it hurts. So what Jesus recommends is he says to come to the table in humility. Take a seat at the low end, and if the host sees you there, he may move you up to a better position. Now, that's not guaranteed, um, but it's better to be moved up than to be moved down, right? So what Jesus isn't saying here is he's saying that this is not just a way to avoid embarrassment. So if you don't want to be embarrassed, just sit at the lower end. That's not what he's necessarily saying here. And he's not also saying that this is a way to portray a false humility. Jesus despises false humility. He sees that in the Pharisees, and he rails against it consistently. So he's not saying to just create a situation where you draw attention to yourself by being moved up to a higher position. It's like doing acts of service for other people so that they will see that you're serving and give you a pat on the back. It's it's for yourself. Uh, In this situation, you're only concerned with self and how other people view you. But what Jesus is saying is this, that what Peter records in 1 Peter 5, where he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. When we have been united to Christ through faith, every aspect of our life is affected, The seating arrangement at a dinner party doesn't become a big deal to us. We can sit at the kitty table and be okay with that because we know where we stand in terms of our relationship with the Lord. Because you're fully aware of how you appear to God, how you appear to other people simply takes a back seat. When we believe in the truth of the gospel, it frees us to not take ourselves so seriously to not be concerned with our reputation and our status because our status is simply found in Christ. So after this parable about the guests, he then turns to the host and he says this, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, what Jesus is not saying, once again, he's not saying that you can't have a party with your friends and with your family, and uh, you can't enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmases and birthdays together. Uh, Jesus often spent time with his very close friends like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He's not saying don't uh, have family reunions and get-togethers. What he is saying is that when you do have a party, when there is an occasion to celebrate, to stop this quid pro quo cycle of, well, I invited you, so I'm expecting something in return. Or we should invite those people because they have a really nice house and maybe at some point they'll invite us over and we'll get to experience that. Um, Jesus is saying to stop that cycle. Don't invite people simply to promote yourself or your social status, but instead invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. So imagine for a moment a dinner party that you host where you literally invite the poor, and the crippled, and the lame, and the blind. Imagine that you are the host of such a party, and that is your guest list. What is that going to be like for you as the host? You're going to be leading people to the table, helping them find their way around. You're going to be bringing food to them, because they can't themselves Get to the table. You are going to be engaging in incredible acts of service to your guests. Jesus is obviously talking metaphorically here. Yes, we should do that, but he's also making a point. We can certainly have a party like this where we invite the lame and the blind, but what he is saying is that because of our union with Christ through faith, We have a blessing waiting for us that is beyond any blessing that we may receive on earth. And our desire for earthly status and blessings fade as our love for Christ grows. You don't care if the people that you invite to your house can repay you for what you have done. That doesn't matter. You simply desire to show others the same love that you have been shown in Christ. So Jesus tells us to be hosts of people into our lives, not expecting or desiring anything in return. You know, it's really easy to invite people in who are like us, who make conversation easy, and who we know that at some point will probably be invited to their place as well. Jesus is calling us to reach out to people who are not like us. Is that awkward? Yes. Yes. Will conversation be difficult? Most likely. Will it be tiring and exhausting? Of course, it will be. But the reason that we are called to do this, and the reason that we can do this, is because of this. God has loved us so much in Christ, and he has promised us an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, that is kept in heaven for us. And this will be greater than any sort of recognition or payment that we receive here on earth. You know, our union with Christ, as we have already said, affects everything. It affects every part of our life. And believing the truth of the gospel, that we are more wicked than we ever dared to believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope, gives us such freedom. It gives us the freedom to be humble when we approach a party, or in any other aspect of our lives. And it gives us the freedom to give ourselves over to other people. We have the privilege of celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. And there is a very strong connection between the table of the Lord and these parables. Jesus has invited us to dine with him at his table. He has invited us, and he is like this host that he talks about in this parable. He has gone out and he has invited us, the spiritually poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind, to eat with him at his table. This is who we are. Knowing full well that we could never pay him back. For what he has done for us. But he is so secure in the love that his father has for him. So so secure in his relationship with his father in heaven. That he was not concerned with our repayment of what he did. He knew his just rewards. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Not only are we invited to his table, but he goes one step further and he offers himself as a sacrifice to his guests. It's incredible. So as we approach his table this morning, we do so in the way that Jesus calls us to be, as guests of the party. To act in humility, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought in humility, we come confessing our sins, confessing our own unrighteousness. And we approach the table looking to Christ, who through his broken body and through his shed blood will exalt those who humble themselves in faith. So, as we come to the table this morning, we have a hymn of preparation. We're going to be singing the Church's One Foundation as uh, Heath and the others get uh, prepared for that, let us go before our Lord in prayer. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, as you have called us as our hosts to your table, we thank you for this gift that you have given to us, who are spiritually poor and crippled and lame and blind, We thank you that you have invited us in, that you have poured out your grace on us to partake in this blessing of remembering the crucified body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would come in a spirit of humility, confessing our sins to you, confessing our own unrighteousness, coming to you, coming to you for the forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of our sins who we are. Thank you for our union with Christ that we are celebrating here this morning. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That even though that we can confess that we are more wicked than we would ever dare to believe, but because of Christ's body and blood, we are more loved and accepted by God than we ever dared to imagine. I pray that with this spirit of rejoicing, That we would come to your table celebrating this sacrament together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.